Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. I wrote about it this morning. I wrote about Damnation this morning. Damnationcollective.com if you are an Oregon State fan who wants to commit to Damnation or join the Damn Fam, uh, you can do, you can do it there. Uh, our next guest is a retired Nike executive who spent 36 years in the footwear industry. Uh, Dick Oldfield is a uh, strategy guy. He's a thinker. He is a uh, former... Oregon State track and field runner. I think he ran like the 1500. He's a distance runner, and he's joining us now. Dick, what uh, what's your 1500 time right now? <laughs> that's a that's a tough opening question. My <laughs> my 1500 meter time right now, John, is the time that I told people 10 years ago if I'm ever running that slow, just knock me off the road and, <laughs> and leave me in the ditch. So I'm still <laughs> running. I'm still running. You're doing it. Hey, look, uh, you, uh, you're an Oregon State guy. Your, your wife, your kids, your daughter-in-law, all Oregon State grads. I mean, you obviously, you live it, you love it. Um, what made you want to get into this collective NIL space? And uh, you are one of the co-founders of Damn Nation. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on today. Uh, you know what? I think, I think we just saw that uh, there's an opportunity here to, to come in and create a collective and, and uh, really serve kind of all athletes and all sports at Oregon State. We know that uh, nil is not going to go away, and it's going to be here for, for a long time. And while it's a little bit of a wild, wild west right now, I think there's um, there's a lot of opportunities for, for student-athletes out there. And so we, we saw it as a great way to not only come in and, and uh, offer up, um, you know, our collective to student-athletes at Oregon State, but, but also kind of hopefully do it the, the right way. And, and, you know, by that we see uh, opportunities to kind of help them build their story, help them see where they want to be when their competitive or, and OSU days are, are over with so that, you know, they're helping to build their future. You know, you say the right way. Um, you know, I, I think we're all a little bit nervous with where this has gone and kind of the, you know, the transfer portal NIL world feels a little bit like free agency. What do you mean by the right way? And, uh, you know, what do you guys talk about when it comes to strategy on that front? Well, again, I think, you know, our, our goal is to uh, work with student-athletes to help them kind of uh, plan for their future, get to know them, figure out, you know, what, what are they majoring in, what are their interests, what are their, what do they want to do beyond so that uh, we can, you know, hopefully find some uh, good uh, opportunities for them where they are learning about life beyond college athletics and beyond Oregon State, if it's finance, if it's starting their own business down the road. You know, I know you see lots of uh, athletes that are, you know, having their own T-shirt business or things like that. And, and so, uh, you know, we, we want to hopefully help them prepare for the future. Our guest, Dick Oldfield, uh, former Nike executive, 
uh, one of the co-founders of the NIL collective at Oregon State, the new one. It's called Damn Nation. Um, some of the other collectives, like Arizona State, is got an interesting strategy. They are they're offering smaller recurring donations from donors. They're trying to capture on the numbers they have with huge alumni base. What are you guys doing to raise money, and and how would Oregon State fans who are listening to this get involved? Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, you, you know, we we do uh, have some potential bigger investors um, that that uh, we might work with, but really, if, when you think of Beaver Nation, when you think of uh, the community around Corvallis, when you think of even you know parts of our website where we say "Damn Fam," I mean. Oregon State is kind of built on the collective, the family, um, the, the fan base, et cetera. And so we do have uh, we do have opportunities right on our sites where you can commit to Dam Nation Collective right away and and invest in some uh, money to help uh, help provide some opportunities for these student athletes. So we we don't we don't see it as one big uh, investment coming through, but really a, a lot of people getting involved and. What'd you learn at Nike that maybe you bring into this project? Yeah, that, that's a that's a great question, and it, you know what 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 I learned in thirty six years uh, is to think big and to and to take risks sometimes. And you know, I think anybody that you know has peeked behind the curtain at Nike, you know, a lot of people see Nike as a as a huge company now, but back in the early days, I mean. They took, you know, risks all the time to try to try to think big and, and get to the get to the bigger prize out there and instead of settling for something maybe a little more attainable or doable or things like that. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, conservative people um, maybe don't survive or maybe get a little frustrated at Nike, but uh, I, I learned some big lessons there, starting at the top with Phil Knight himself. Yeah, I think it's fantastic uh, strategy. I mean, you know, I like sports teams and athletes that dream big or make plans that make them sort of stretch beyond their reach. And, uh, you know, it feels like uh, we're in that space in college athletics right now. Um, you know, one of the things I thought about with the launch of this is it's, you know, we always think about Transfer Portal and, you know, the uh, the ability maybe for new players coming into Oregon State to capitalize on name, image, likeness. But, some of the entities, uh, some of the ambition just may be about retention. You've got some great players here. You don't want to become a stepping stone uh, that becomes a feeder program for, our, for you know, for the others. Um, how much will you balance, you know, retention of existing players versus, you know, the opportunities maybe that incoming players uh, could expect to enjoy? Yeah, you know, it, it is really, uh, John, you hit it on the head. It, it is really about retention more than recruiting. I mean, you know, you want, we're kind of the, the third-headed deal out there with, hey, you get you can get a great education at Oregon State. You're going to have a great experience with great coaches and, you know, improve, which a lot of athletes want to do, improve in your skills uh, on the field or on the court um, or on the mat. But, but um, you want to you want to stay there and we hope you do stay there for the duration of your, uh, of your time at OSU. So uh, we will spend time helping these athletes kind of, again, further themselves and grow off the field in hopes that they want to stay at Oregon State for their whole time. We're talking to Dick Oldfield. He is a, a former Nike executive 
and one of the co-founders of Oregon State's NIL collective, Damn Nation. I'm broadcasting today, Dick, from inside Research Stadium. You know, the west side of the stadium's going up, and it looks like the Love construction's it. coming along. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of an exciting time with Jonathan Smith here. How will the collective fit with a football coaching staff? Because I think on one hand, like, there's supposed to be a separation of church and state, but can there be conversations, or what kind of conversations can you have within the rules with the coaching staff in, in the university? Well, you know, a, a, a collective has to be a separate entity from Oregon State, and so, you know, we're, we're not having official meetings to sit down and, and earmark, things like that. But um, I, I think, you know, if you're a fan, if you're part of a collective, you're going to be forming relationships, hopefully hopefully with these athletes that we want to reach out to, whether they reach out to us or we reach out to them or business reaches out to them. And so we want to be able to grow in those relationships. And, and along with that comes, uh, you know, building relationships uh, with, with coaches unofficially. I think at a, at a campus you can't do things on an official standpoint, but Corvallis is a small town and you're going to bump into people that way. The, uh, you know, the ambassadors that you have, Michaela Pivik, we've had her on the show before. Um, you got Steven Jackson in the fold and, and yeah. others. You know, how will those personalities operate within, within the collective or maybe in, in conjunction with some of the athletes? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, uh, when we talk to each of these prospective ambassadors before they came on board, it was it, – you know, it was about them kind of believing in the mission and, and kind of going beyond and helping these student-athletes prepare for the future. And so one by one, these ambassadors, as, as they've come on board, have um, have said, hey, you know, if, if, if we can help by talking to a student-athlete, by showing the way that we went, um, by, by offering up uh, advice at different times, I mean, every one of the ambassadors has come forward and said and said that. So it's not like a not like a regular job or role that they will have, but um, but they are uh, there to help along the way when needed. Um, the reaction that you got, the reception. I know that you know this is we're, you're just you know 24 hours into this thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Are, are, are you getting uh, inquiries you didn't expect, or what kind of conversations are you having? What's been the reaction of the reception so far? Reaction has been great so far. I think we're getting a lot of positive reactions. I, I think uh, for some people, it is you know, there's a lot of people that are just still learning about what NIL means and what it's all about. And so, I think some of those people who haven't even thought about it for a while, by our announcement yesterday and and kicking in and interviews like this with you, I think it, it's it's stirring up a lot of um, questions and and. Better yet, education for people out there just to learn about, hey, what, what does it mean? What's it all about? And, and then beyond that, you know, how can we invest to help out? So um, there's, a, there's a lot to learn still for everybody out there, but, um, but it's been a really good reaction so far. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's really neat that you guys are doing this. I think uh, I know uh, the university's got to be thrilled that, you know, you're putting the energy and effort into this, but – for people who want to get involved, is it as simple as going to damnnationcollective.com? Is is that the first step? It's that yeah, it's that easy. Yeah, and it should be a pretty easy website to navigate. You can find uh, multiple buttons, as you can imagine, that that say "Commit to Damnation," and you can read it over and then get in, get involved. 
get involved. All right. I appreciate you making time, Dick, and uh, good luck to you. you. Uh, we'll get you back on yeah. after you get some momentum just to kind of get an update on yeah. it. But, you know, Arizona State, Washington State, and some others have come on the show to kind of talk about what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're, uh, Arizona right. State in particular is just trying to play the numbers game, and I get it. Like, they have a huge enrollment, and so they've got more alumni. So they're just going, hey, if everyone gives 50 yeah. bucks, you know, you're, you've got something. They raised a million dollars in like a week. And just doing that, and I think it was just a phenomenal effort by them to get out. And Washington State's a little different. Washington State's trying to play a little more, hey, we want to retain our athletes. We want it to be more about relationships. So I'll be interested to see where you guys end up on that spectrum. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate it. I think I think there's a great opportunity for multiple members, like you say, more, more like an Arizona State to get involved. But I, I appreciate you having us on. and. You know, the proof is is in uh, what happens down the road, so we look forward to catching up with you down the road. Dick Oldfield, thank you. There it is, uh, damnnationcollective.com if you want to get some info on it. I wrote all about why it's important today. You know, I don't think we all need to be comfortable with what's happening across the landscape, but I think we need to know what's happening across the landscape. I wrote about it, uh, and I hope you check that out. Uh, you can read it and link to it, too, at johnconzano.com. Uh, coming up, our big splash, and then later in the show, it's going to be story time. I I was going to hold that guest that we have on later in the show for uh, later in the season, maybe uh, Oregon-Oregon State Rivalry Week, but Dick Allen, former president of the Duck Club, is going to join us to talk about why the Oregon and Washington fan bases hate each other. I don't use that term lightly. They don't like each other. He'll join us in the 5 o'clock hour. Leave it here. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I'm broadcasting today from Reeser Stadium where they are uh, completing Reeser. The west side of the stadium being completed. The capacity of Reeser Stadium after the renovation. Do you guys know what the capacity will be? I have the number. Do I have no know? idea. What's your guess? What's your ballpark guess on the capacity of Reeser Stadium after the West Side renovation? You got a guess, Judah? So I think uh, so. Odson's 54, I want to say, so I'm going to go uh, 56. Try not to outdo out Odson. <laughs> mm, 56. What do you think, Stephen? Uh, I'll go less. I'll go uh, 50. How about 36,000? Mm, wait, what? 36,000. They're going smaller. They're downsizing. Oh, I May have forgotten about that part. Yeah, because it, it's 27 now. <laughs> it's going to be – it's 27 now and change. And then the new side is not only downsizing, but they're going heavy with premium seating, living room seating, club boxes. They wouldn't even tell me what the boxes cost. Apparently, I, uh, they're so they're so lucrative, I can't afford them. So, that, like, they wouldn't even tell me. Like, I said, what are those costs? And – they were like, we don't want to make you feel bad. Like, you know, they wouldn't even give me an answer. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. We have a collective. <laughs> I have a feeling that the uh, – because cause what I did is I we bought season tickets at Autzen and we bought season tickets at Reeser and we give them away. But uh, I have a feeling they did not want me to give up my season tickets on the east side and move west because I think the west side is going to be a lot of donors – who are making uh, big donations to the athletic department and buying those living room boxes. And apparently it's supposed to be like Beaver Street is what they got. And I, that's where I'm sitting. Like I walked out the back of the radio broadcast today, and I could see 
it's really coming together. Like it really looks like a concourse now, and it's got tunnels and it's got like the infrastructure, and I I can see what's going to happen here. It's going to be really cool with like sort of open air. You can, you're going to be able to be like standing at the concession stand and see the field because the sight line is going to be open. And it's very open, open, open with like living room seating and boxes all in front. And uh, and they did a smart thing. It looks like the upper grandstand's got a cover on it. So you're going to be covered seating as well. So I think they're downsizing, but I bet you they're going to charge a little more for these seats. And that's where they're going to make their money. And it could make it louder, correct? Just cause it would oh, be it's more... already louder. Yeah. And, you know, more people in there, and it's, you know, higher. Like you said, it'd be more of a um, a rare ticket to get. Like, you got to really want to go there. That was kind of my theory, which it was, like, instead of a 34,000 crowd that's, like, half interested, half paying attention, you've got intensely devoted people getting a ticket now yeah. that are going to bring the noise. And even more so, I think, next year as it, uh, you know, as it gets big. It's going to be ready by next year, right? That's yeah, the it'll idea. open open uh, for 2023 in the early part of the season. So you got UC September Davis. of 2023 will be the opener. UC Davis is week two, September 9th. They're on the road at San Jose, at San Jose State week one at Brent Brennan, apparently. And then uh, hosting UC Davis on the ninth will, I guess, allegedly be the opener. Then there the home go. opener, yeah. That should be the home opener for Oregon State, and should be pretty fun to be inside this stadium and uh, sort of see all of that and see that unfold before our very eyes. But uh, uh, really interesting to see what they're doing here, uh, and a lot of fun. Meanwhile, at Autzen Stadium, um, you know, years ago I talked to Rob Mullins about Autzen because there was a demand at Autzen. You know, they had a lot of games in the Chip Kelly era that didn't have tickets. It was standing room only. And so there was some talk about expanding, expanding, expanding. But then we kind of just hit a we hit a point where people, because of kickoff times, because of the cost of tickets, because of the improvements in television, I think there we, the market started to get some resistance. And at the SEC saw it, the Big Ten saw it, certainly the Pac-12 saw it. And all of a sudden, you know, this season, they're having trouble selling out Autzen Stadium. And, you know, they'll get the Washington game. They'll get... They'll get big games in the future, but I don't think it's as easy to sell out a 54,000-seat stadium in in Eugene, Oregon, as it was. Even if Chip Kelly and the Ducks were happening in this era, I think that the late kickoffs and the lure, the uh, competition from your living room, would be a real thing. And then, and then you know, even the SEC. I talked to Greg Sankey about this. The SEC commissioner, they were seeing problems with games that they had sold out historically. We're now not selling out all anymore, and there is, you know, there may be some downsizing going on throughout college football. What do you guys think the biggest factor is when it comes to whether or not people buy a season ticket? Um, I think the biggest factor is just the at-home product. Like it's it's so good if you have your own nice setup at home. Like you don't need to be there, right? Like it's so much more comfortable. Yeah. I think we need to get another year, two, three away from the pandemic as well and just, yeah. like, really make grease the wheels again of what it was like to hang out and tailgate with everybody from start to finish, right? Like, <laughs> get back to the 2015-2016 vibes of that was the way you spent your Saturday, right? The holistic way you spent your Saturday was at the stadium. Uh, if they can get that feeling back in some of these programs, I think the numbers would return. Another thing, too, is just the lives of people in youth sports. You know, it became, you know, college sports is sold out to television, so all the kickoff times and everything is 
predicated around TV schedule and making it right for TV, and you know, that wasn't conducive for fans being inside the stadium always. But we also we also have lives that are increasingly busy with kids that are playing youth sports in a youth sports industry that is um, asking us to spend, you know, not just – it used to be, for me, it was like one Little League game or a soccer game, and then my parents were off for the rest of the day. No, it's like five, six-hour commitments. It's all day. It's weekend travel tournaments. It's club sports. And so all of a sudden, I think families' lives, the life of the typical family that was a season ticket holder, is more complicated than it was uh, 10 or 20 years ago when the youth sports scene wasn't pulling, 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 demanding, demanding, demanding. More time, more of your disposable income. Oh, by the way, it's going to cost you $4,000 to play soccer this club season. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.